0: Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. I am the Toon's proprietor, Headstone P. Gravely, and here I are two captive hosts, Shrey Lawson and James Hickson. Welcome back, Tomb Believers, to Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. I am James Hickson. And I'm Trey Lawson. Trey,
1: um, did you go to the library recently? Um, Well, no, because we're still trapped in this tomb. But uh, stuck behind the long boxes, I I found this weird old book. Um, I can't really read much of it. It seems to be in a language I've never seen. But, But do you want to take a look at it?
0: Trust me, I have plenty of experience from weird old books found in ancient tombs with creepy covers and all that. It is an excellent idea to read from this.
1: Okay, well, here you go. Um,
0: let's see. Table of Contents. Chapter, <laughs> oh, oh, hold on, that's boring stuff. Hold on, let's flip through. Zibidu, Nigadai Shunkadi, Moksa, Dema, Dena. Zop, zop, stop laughing at me, Trey. Whoa!
2: Hello. The pages of the book open and a giant gout of colorful smoke emits into the tomb, and out of it comes probably the nerdiest writer you have ever seen in your life.
0: Yeah, yeah we can see that. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm James i'm trey welcome no you
1: are
2: i'm carrie carrie harris i write things
1: oh carrie harris yes um shadow avengers that's me okay yes what a coincidence that you are a writer of marvel related things we talk about marvel related things
0: hey wait a minute don't you have a marvel related book out recently
2: I do, I do. I wrote a ghostwriter book, and then what you don't know about Marvel writers is that when we're not actively writing things, they stash us in books, um, y- y- you know, and keep us on the shelf until we're ready to write our next thing.
1: Oh,
0: that explains what happened to Peter David.
1: <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. So your, your new book, uh, Witches Unleashed, right? That's right. Okay, yeah. Um, it is a really interesting you call it a ghostwriter book and it definitely is that but but what really sort of fascinated me is is uh the trio of other prominent characters that that really play a, a big role in the the story because they're not the characters who usually get sort of a lot of front and center time in the marvel universe which
2: is cool yeah yeah um for my book i paired uh johnny blaze with the witches from the short mini series So it's Satana Hellstrom, Jennifer Kale, and Topaz. And, um, you know, since Jennifer is Johnny's cousin, there was kind of a natural connection. And also, I like them. I wanted more, you know. Absolutely. They said um, Charlie's Angels meets Marvel Mystics, and I was in.
0: (laughs) Nice, nice. Now, with the Marvel Untold series, this is kind of can kind of take place anywhere in the timeline, right? Yeah. And with the with the with the uh, proposal process, I think I heard other places like you pick Ghost Rider as kind of like your last possible option, even though it's the one you most wanted.
2: Yeah, yeah, I uh, I've I've done a few books for them now, and they ask you usually for three pitches at a time, and they picked my last one um, when I did X Men. So I thought, okay, the one that I want, I'm gonna put that one last, and it worked. <laughs>
0: And you're a huge X-Men fan, right?
2: Yep, X-Men were my first superhero comics. Um, so, uh, way back in the 80s, you know, it, when everything was in black and white, as my children would say. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I read X-Men comics, and then uh, I picked up Ghost Rider because um, my uh, a bunch of my family are bikers. Okay. okay, yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, would this have been, like, the the sort of 80s 90s like Danny Ketch Ghost Rider or
2: No, Johnny Blaze. So I was okay. I was young enough. Well, I'm old enough now. Uh, when I was young it was it was Johnny.
1: Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's very that is based on where we're at in our reading. That is yeah. the the Ghost Rider we are most familiar with. Um, and yeah. actually the the witches uh, themselves we have very recently dealt with their earliest appearances. We've we've yep. done yeah. Uh, the the early Topaz appearances in *Werewolf by Night*, uh, and and of course uh, Satana and uh, uh, Jennifer Kale in, in their respective books too. So so we're it was sort of fun coming into this uh, having fairly freshly read those early appearances uh, yeah. just as a reader. That was fun.
0: I was actually a bit surprised when I saw Topaz in your book because she's very different in her modern incarnation than she is in her earlier appearances. She, in yeah, her early that... appearances she's she's a little blonde girl and that makes no sense for her origin story but
2: yep yep all three of the characters really change quite a bit um you know throughout the timeline but i think topaz is the most uh, the most dramatic but also she just has these giant gaps in her backstory which are fun to play with
1: yeah well cuz she she does sort of disappear from comics for years at a time and because she does eventually show up again, she has to be up to something. So yeah. so I think, yeah, just, I imagine as, as a writer, that gives you a lot of uh, possibilities.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, so she was a lot of fun to play with, and, and really all three of them, because they, they all do kind of the same thing. They pop in and then they're gone for a while. So it seemed like a prime opportunity to tell an untold story. And, um, putting them together with Johnny Blaze, I think uh, all three of them have had interactions with him somehow, and that gives them the ability to kind of smack him upside the head a little bit, which I like to see.
0: One of the things I like (laughs) about your book is you openly acknowledge that Johnny Blaze is an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Something we've talked about a lot on
1: our show. He is someone who who very rarely immediately lands on the best possible decision.
2: (laughs) I mean, his heart's in the right place, and I can't yes. say that I would bear up under the same situations with a whole lot of logic. But yeah, he's a dumbass a lot of the time.
1: <laughs> it's also fun the way he knows that about himself, though. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we really have a hard time de- determining our show. Who is dumber, Johnny Blaze or Jack Russell? Because, oof. I, right now, it's Jack Russell because Jack Russell can't
1: figure out how to read an almanac.
2: <laughs> Whichever one you choose, the bar is set low. Right.
1: right. And they both have sort of similar circumstances of uncontrollable transformations and things. And so you know, that they they get a little bit of of a pass there because what they're dealing with are are pretty extraordinary circumstances. Right. Yeah. I enjoyed the way that Dr. Strange is kind of the elephant in the room a lot of the time. Um, as going back to that miniseries you mentioned he is the one who puts the witches together originally but they all kind of have a lot of baggage with him and then Ghost Rider does too both from comics but also in sort of the the story that you tell Uh, and and so I was wondering uh, sort of uh, whether that was something that you thought about in the writing of the book did you consider bringing Doctor Strange in as more of a presence or did you just want him to be this sort of background influence
2: I think I think given the plot, since it's a a mystical threat, you have to... And since they know Doctor Strange, you have to decide either he shows up or he doesn't. And if he shows up, then he takes charge.
1: Right. At that point, it's not a Ghost Rider book anymore. Yeah,
2: Exactly. So I very deliberately chose to set the book um, in the comic timeline after Johnny and Doctor Strange have had their fight. So... They have a big fight. Uh, This is a spoiler, but it's so long ago that I think that's probably okay. Um, Johnny kills Doctor Strange. It does not go well. I know, shocker. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's a natural place to set the book that makes it very logical that they do not call the one guy who could probably fix this problem.
1: Sure, I mean, well, it's it's sort of the, the not to jump companies here, but like anytime you tell a DC story and someone asks, well, why don't you call Superman? Well, because if you call Superman, it's like, that's the end of the story.
0: Yeah. So with these Marvel books, how much leeway are you given as far as like picking a setting or picking a, like where in the timeline you want to plug this into?
2: Um, You get kind of a guideline from Marvel saying, we want this type of story, we want it to meet these criteria the criteria are fairly loose um really it's once you've pitched there's a lot of back and forth a back and forth with the outline to make sure that it fits with continuity pretty well we're not we're not necessarily canon you know um they talk about how the main world is earth 616 we don't have a number but if we did we'd probably be like 618 where it's close to canon as you can get without actually being canon. Okay. Um, so, do they give you
1: like research materials for the preparation for this? Like like if you say, like if you nail down a timeline, can do they like give you a range of issues you can look at or something?
2: Uh, no, no. I read, um, when I do my pitches, it's a whole lot of sitting down with my long boxes and my Marvel Unlimited subscription and reading as I'm pitching. And then since I'm doing three and I don't know which one hopefully they're going to pick, I just make a note of the issues. And then if I'm asked to expand on one, then I go deep into the comics and make sure that that I'm getting the details right because I love finding those Easter eggs that refer to stuff that happened in the comics. (laughs) Uh, You know, it makes me feel cool and very few things do that for me. So I have to seize it while I can.
0: Be one of those people who, like, if you're writing this character, you have to go out and read every appearance of this character?
2: Yeah, not everyone because then my head, like I start to get confused about what has happened and what hasn't. Um, so usually what I do is read everything that happened in the recent past up to when my book is set and I don't read anything else until after I'm done drafting. So okay. I, haven't, I haven't been reading, um, like I was just writing Avengers. I haven't been reading Avengers the entire time I was drafting. Because I don't want them to cross-pollinate and get all confused.
1: Yeah, and so, and, and again, I the with this book, uh, I I have to imagine that, that you probably revisited that witch's mini series a good bit because it gets referred to a lot. Yep. Um, which is it's interesting because it is that is a mini series that had a lot of potential, and then it seems like Marvel just kind of dropped it, like those characters didn't show up in that formation again.
2: Yeah. Damn it.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is like your twentieth book, right? Yeah. So, how impressive! Congratulations. Thank you. But not just like novels. You also write for RPGs, and I'm sorry, this is a pet pet topic for myself. You actually worked on an RPG I love a lot called the Atomic Robo RPG.
2: I love Robo. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I uh, I worked in the game industry for a while. As uh, um, an executive, I've written for RPGs. In fact, my per- my first paid writing assignment was way back in the day. I wrote for the World of Darkness for White Wolf. So uh, I, my life's I, favorite. Yeah, I am a gamer from a, a long time ago. That was essentially my entire college career was gaming and skipping classes.
0: <laughs> so how is writing for? something like Marvel or something like this different from writing for gaming companies?
2: Uh, you know, there are a lot more similarities than you'd expect. When you're writing for gaming companies, you're trying to create ideas in the person's head. You know, I want to, I want to dangle a bunch of strings in front of you that make you say, I want to play that in a game. I want to play that character. I want to find out what happens in that story. And uh, as a comic book fan, reading comics is very much like that for me you know i i want to see more of this character i want to see more of this story and if i'm doing my job right i think you should get to the end of the book and want to see more of this pairing you know you want to see more witches with johnny because there's potential
0: oh you, you you play off the three personalities so well like because they really do fill different aspects It's it's kind of like the, in my opinion, the greatest three person um, pairing of all time, Um, Captain Kirk, Spock, and
2: Bones.
0: (laughs) 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 Where they all could, they're almost all like parts of a person, and when you Mm -hmm. bring them together, it's like full. They're a character together, which you did a fantastic job here with that.
1: Well, thank you. Uh, And and one thing I really appreciated about reading, which is unleashing, it's something I've noticed with with other. Marvel novels as well is that with prose there's an opportunity for sort of interiority in a way that the comics don't always allow because the the absence of of the the images means you really get to go into people's heads more and so just that there was a lot more inner monologue with Jennifer Kale and with Topaz and and Satana and even like Johnny arguing with Zarathros in in yeah. like inside his head is something that you don't get as much of in a comic and then I appreciated that
2: yeah yeah I think one of the great things about Marvel is because they have all of these different formats each one has its own strengths and so when I started writing them that was exactly what I thought prose allows you to live inside that character's head and I want to feel what it feels like to be Johnny Blaze and to transform like that's freaking cool
0: Carrie, did you hear that he used the word interiority? Yeah, showing beautiful. Off, showing off his ma- showing off his master's degree. Uh. Way to go, Lawson! Ma- uh, ma- the, sorry. the English the English teacher in me is coming out a little bit. Master, Master Lawson, as I'm as you told me I am supposed to refer to you as. Uh. Uh. Well, Carrie, um, again, thank you so much for coming on to the show. We're probably going to return again to talking to about the book throughout the, the podcast, sure. but. Trey, I do believe it is a very special time.
1: Oh, are we are we doing the the thing the thing we do? No, 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 no.
0: We have company. We've talked about this. We don't do that when company is around.
2: <laughs>
1: okay. Uh, so the so the, the other the other, thing. other thing. Okay. Yeah. The, the 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 hottest segment in comics podcasting. No, again, we don't do that when. The, oh, sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is time.
2: I'm getting a little worried. Should I go back in the book? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's too late now. You're here. <laughs> it is time. Comes- <laughs> I've never had to do something else for <laughs> uh, okay, so- just,
1: just read, read the news, Trey. Yeah, well, um, so Spider-Man No Way Home is uh, continuing to chug along in terms of revealing bits and pieces of things. Uh, there was a poster recently that showed off a very, very tiny picture of the Green Goblin in the background. Um, and supposedly there will be a new trailer on November 16th, I think is, is what we've seen. Uh, and so... When you guys re- hear this episode, which will be the day after, this will
0: be like your entire Tuesday, so... Right, this will be right. old news for you.
1: Right. But, um, but for those of us living in the past, uh, that trailer Always is coming, and... And uh, I, I have a feeling that there's going to be even more uh, revealed because they're sort of gradually showing off these these surprise characters one by one. So, yeah, I mean, you know, what what doesn't uh, hasn't already been leaked? I mean, this is the most porous movie of all time, right? But e- even Doctor Octopus before that trailer was like the worst kept secret in Marvel movies because Alfred Molina was going around telling anyone who would listen, "Hey, I'm playing Doctor Octopus again."
0: <laughs> and I feel like that's because it's a Sony production. And, you know, that's I, possible. I, I, I crap on Sony a bunch on the show, and I apologize. It just seems like, you know, without those Marvel killer drones hanging around the set at all times and following all actors <laughs> around until release date, it seems there's not as much of a tight on things.
1: Possibly. Although I will say, and I know that you're not a, a Venom guy, but, but the post credits of Venom 2 are a huge surprise. And, uh, And they kept that quiet i've not even seen the first film so yeah
0: now carrie did you have to deal with marvel drones or did they not extend to the um prose department
2: uh the pros department we don't have drones we have ninjas and they they drop down from the ceiling tiles so um it's a little terrifying honestly
0: but that's (laughs) just to keep you on deadline right
2: no but it's also if i say things that i'm not supposed to say a ninja will drop down and and like cut my head off so wow uh, you know (laughs) and and you guys are stuck in here with me so don't pressure me
1: right she's got a good point james okay um moving on right uh so uh eternals just came out um
0: right and carrie you haven't seen eternals yet right
2: I have not. I just finished drafting, and so I am now in my week of read all the comics, see all the things.
1: Are, are you an Eternals fan?
2: I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, because yeah. Uh, I will say, I, and I was sort of very much on the record about this, in comics, I'm not an Eternals guy. Like, they're not yeah. my thing, um, yeah. but I will say the movie does a very good job of making you care about these characters that never seemed to me to be central to the Marvel Universe.
2: It is kind of a weird offshoot kind of thing, so I'm um, I'm interested to see what they do with it.
0: It it's journals have always been weird for me because it's Jack Kirby's third attempt at writing an ancient civilization that's been in the way for all for, for centuries and introducing them into the universe. Of course, his first attempt was the Inhumans. Right. His second attempt was the Fourth World at DC, and then he comes back to Marvel and instead of jumping back on humans, humans again. He wants nothing to do with Stan Lee so he decides he's gonna do the Eternals instead, which is gonna be completely his own thing. It's it's interesting.
1: Yeah. It's... Yeah, the, the, the sort of publication background of it and the motivations are, are honestly more interesting than some of those original comics <laughs> uh, if I'm being although I will say the Jack Kirby artwork with the Celestials is gorgeous and I will always go back to them for that reason. Um, The the visuals of those cosmic Marvel books are great. But because you haven't
0: watched yet, Carrie, we're going to return to some spoiler talk about Eternals later on in the segment. Right. We also got some new looks on Friday at Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Miss Marvel, and Secret Invasion.
1: Yeah, yeah, all Disney Plus series that are coming up. Uh, They did sort of a a sizzle reel as part of their presentation that gave our first... uh, looks at some of those series. Uh, I'm a Big Moon Knight fan. He's one of my favorites. Speaking of characters that are are kind of dumbasses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mark Spector is not always the the brightest bulb, <laughs> but but I love him anyway. Uh, and, I thought you were
0: gonna talk about She-Hulk. That's dangerous. Don't talk about She Hulk. No, like she
1: is She Hulk is great. She is she she would hunt me down, beat me up, and then somehow legally make it my fault in court. And rip of all your comic books. Don't forget that burn cover.
2: I would rip of your X Men comics. I would read that comic. (laughs) I really would. Just,
0: just She Hulk beating on internet trolls. That's that's a fantastic, right? right? Yes, that is a great comic actually.
2: And then making it their fault in court. Yeah, yeah. Take them to court. (laughs) Like
1: the litigious part is what makes it She Hulk.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh my God, She Hulk versus Comics Gate.
1: <laughs> right, right.
0: Be the greatest
1: thing but, uh, ever. but yeah, um, I, 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 and really, of of those things, She-Hulk was probably the standout just in terms of potential because it seems like the the most unique of those shows in terms of tone. Um, it seems like they're going for something a little lighter, maybe a little more fun. Um, I, I've read that it's going to be like a thirty-minute format instead of the the hour-long, which uh, should make things different in terms of pacing. Um, and it's always nice to have... Well, it's nice to have Ruffalo back, but also uh, Tatiana Maslany uh, is fantastic casting for him.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. You talk about how it's going to be fun. You notice what they're wearing at the last bit of that little segment there, right? Um, they're wearing I, 70s gear.
1: So, yeah, the, the uh, banner in in that last shot does look a lot like Bill Bixby.
0: <laughs> a lot like Bill Bixby, which I approve of.
1: yeah. Although uh, she gets to say the don't make me angry line, which is great. Yes. Yes. Um very excited for Miss Marvel as well. That's another one that that they seem more ready to show off now. I think it was one of the first ones of this bunch to, to really wrap. So they probably have more more finished of it.
0: Although we don't see her use her powers in the trailer and that leads credence to the to the rumor we've heard going around they're changing her power set for the series.
1: And that makes sense to me because they're probably not going to make her an Inhuman because uh-huh. that would overcomplicate things. Easier probably to somehow tie her directly to either Captain Marvel or the Kree or Monica Rambeau or one of the other characters that's involved in those stories. Um, and, and I think I've seen some, some promo art that shows instead of the, the sort of embiggened, stretchy fist, she projects like an energy fist around her hand.
0: Hard light uh, that, projection. Probably. Yeah, that,
1: that's like the same size yeah. as what would normally be depicted in the comics. Mm-hmm. Which that's fine. That's I, I, I am not so attached to the stretchy powers that that changing them up would would ruin the series. And they're
0: uh, probably trying to share save sorry save the stretchy powers for a certain Doctor Richards. Probably, maybe meeting in the near future.
1: But but for me, Miss Marvel is a character that's always been more about sort of the personality and the the character interactions and and things like that so you can change her powers and still have all of that yeah yeah
0: it's always been more about the drama yes (laughs) in a good way in a good way
1: yeah And, Um, and and sort of letting her be a young person of color sort of dealing with different issues than a lot of the other superheroes that star in their own books and shows tend to face
0: and of course, we also get a very brief look at Secret Invasion.
1: Yep, just sort of the one shot of a very beardy Nick Fury, without an eye patch. Yeah, with no eye patch.
0: Yep. I mean, I'm sure it'll be better than actual comic book Secret Invasion, which I was not a big fan of. Because I mean, they did a great job of Civil War, which I was not a fan of in the comics. So.
1: Yeah, and and Secret Invasion is it's still an event that I appreciate what it was going for. You know, it was trying to be this sort of big almost sci-fi B-movie kind of thing. In invasion of the Body Snatchers beats the Marvel Universe. But yeah, it, it didn't entirely stick the landing. And so it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that works with the movie version of the Skrulls, who are not necessarily the the scheming, insidious kind of villains that, that existed in comics when that event happened.
0: No, they're not. And of course, there is also um, some obscure character... I think they got the guy from um, the new Star Wars movies to play him. Um, uh, it looks it looks a bit lame. And I don't, I'm not sure if there's any any bit any fans of the character. Um, he's called I think it's um, um Sun Jester? You know that's is, not is right, Sun- James.
1: James, you know that's not right. Is it Sun is Sun Jester, right? James, it's Moon Knight uh, and it's Oscar Isaac and it's going to be awesome and people are making fun of his voice. But I'm pretty sure that that voice is just one of the personalities, and it's gonna be awesome. And everyone just needs to calm down and wait for more, more footage.
0: Um, Carrie, if you I don't know if you know, but Trey is a rather large Moon Knight fan. I've
2: I've gathered this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We also get some newly announced series, newly announced shows, including, I think. Three different animated projects.
1: Yeah, there are three Disney yeah. Plus animated series coming, which is is cool because that's something that uh, we've not gotten as much of in, in the Disney Plus shows. They've really emphasized live action for the most part, but it's Disney. Disney is good at animation. <laughs> they should they should do more of this. <laughs> yeah.
0: What if was excellent. It was. Uh, they've yeah. announced
1: Spider Man Freshman
0: Year, right. which um, purports to share the MCU origin of Spider-Man.
1: Right, it's gonna fill in fill in that gap between whenever he got bitten by the spider and when Tony Stark showed up at his door.
0: Which is great, because we will finally get an MCU Uncle Ben, and he can look just like Uncle Ben's supposed to. Well, he probably won't actually not think about it, because- Pro-
1: um, I mean, he he should probably look like someone who would end up with Marissa Tomei. Yeah, so mm. Joe jo- jo Pesci, right?
0: <laughs> I would not be mad
1: about that, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> come, here, come here, come here, come here. Great power <laughs> comes great responsibility.
1: Now get the heck out of here. <laughs> uh, oh. Yes, it should be exactly like that. <laughs> yes, uh, <it> <laughs> we've also got a Marvel Zombies animated series, which I don't know if this is going to spin oh. off of What If or if it's going to be its own thing, but... Uh, you know it has potential that the original Marvel zombies book was a lot of fun I, I i remember being especially fond of the one that had uh machine man in it like machine man fighting the zombie
0: wasn't it like machine man and howard the duck it was
1: yes <laughs> and, and, and then ash williams shows up at one point too they, they did a crossover okay. with army of darkness yes uh that was fun. Um, I think that one is technically not considered part of the Marvel Zombies canon, because there is like an overarching through line between those books. But it's the, but that one was still a lot of fun. I think Doctor Doom ends up with the Necronomicon. I mean, how much would you pay
0: to have animated Bruce Campbell show up in the series?
1: Sure, um, but I would also want him to meet the various Bruce Campbells from the the Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I was kind of mad about this this show, and now like with right, Bruce right. Campbell, right? That's the missing okay.
1: ingredient. <laughs> um and then the last of the animated shows that was announced is something that is, is exciting for me at least. X Men '97. They're bringing back the as yes. much of the voice cast as they can from the '90s Fox animated series. It looks like they're they're aiming for a similar visual style, a similar storytelling style. That's going to be a lot of fun. I, I've that, that was sort of my introduction as a kid to the X-Men, was that show. Um, and uh, yep. a friend of ours, friend of the show, Chad Bowers, uh, co-wrote the X-Men 92 miniseries for Marvel that uh, sort of went back to that time in a lot of ways. It wasn't officially an adaptation of the animated series for <laughs> reasons that he could probably get into, but it, it was as close as Marvel would come at the time to sort of going back to that style. Um, so, so we're excited about
0: it's it. It looks interesting.
1: I love the way they announced it. Oh, they did the meme.
0: Yes, they did the meme. The the, the Wolverine yep. stroking the portrait meme. Yep.
1: <laughs>
0: A plus, Marvel. A yep. plus.
1: They they know their audience. I I, I will give them that.
0: <laughs> well, no. If they knew their audience, the entire Moon Knight series would be him looking for his money from Dracula. Let's be clear
1: here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Actually, surprised they haven't referenced that meme yet. Yet, we also get some live-action projects announced. Um, Echo. Yep. So that's gonna I, I spin off from Hawkeye. Spin off from Hawkeye,
0: which I'm so looking forward to.
1: Yeah, Hawkeye, and that's another one we didn't mention it, but it's gotten some more trailers since the last time we we spoke too. Uh, Carrie,
0: I'm not sure how it is in your household, but we watch a lot of really terrible Christmas movies around this time of year, like the worst of the worst Christmas movies. Like, I'm talking like Dean Kane is in these things.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, you know, I actually watch horror movies. <laughs> Instead, I'm like, um, yeah, let's, let's just vampires that roller skate. I want that. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas.
1: I'll go thematically appropriate. I'll watch Gremlins and Krampus and, and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm
0: charmed by the story of the Big city girl who meets a rustic uh, country boy who teaches her the true meaning of Christmas and love. You just
1: described all of them, didn't you? Like, that's like 10 years yes, worth it, of Hallmark movies.
0: That is the model
1: for like all of them. I did see that, that this year, uh, one of those Hallmark movies is going to co star Bruce Campbell, though.
0: Yes, Bruce Campbell is doing a Hallmark Christmas movie. I, I can't even. <laughs>
2: That makes me think of the. This is totally off topic, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Did you see the one where Mario Lopez played Colonel Sanders?
1: Yes, yes, I That's did. Spectacular. That was wild. <laughs> it was so. Good. I wanted I'll it take to be
2: more of that.
0: I wanted it full length. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, now now you got me thinking about a, a Hallmark Ghost Rider
2: movie. <laughs> oh, it would be should, so bad. Who should play him though? Oh.
0: Somebody who was like hot for a while, and now is kind of not hot. It would be an older Johnny
1: Blaze. Yeah. I think it would have to be older. Yeah, I don't know. Actually, they, they could just get Nicolas Cage back. That <laughs> would not be the worst thing in the world.
0: <laughs> Nicholas Cage as Ghostwriter in a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, but I, I think uh, what what you were getting at is is Hawkeye being a Christmas story is. Sort of a nice, refreshing, seasonal kind of thing yep. in the mode of like Die Hard or something. Yeah,
0: exactly. Um, and of course, we're also getting Agatha House of Harkness.
1: That's gonna be awesome.
0: Is uh, it's gonna be so awesome?
1: And, and Agatha all along better just be the theme song for every episode.
0: <laughs> like I, I imagine this—you know—it's called House of Harkness because the Harkness family. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to meet her cousin Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I, oh, I, I, that's I, a bad I, Doctor I, Who joke. <laughs> I, I don't know about bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, I could do with more John Barrowman. Sure, yes, I, I think we all could. <laughs> anyway, I do think Trey, that does it for this segment of Hellstrom Watch.
1: Yeah, so we should take a quick break, and uh, we will be back to discuss. Ghost Rider number 8. Right after these messages.
2: He said I was a liar. I'm not. People think you are good, but you are bad and hard-hearted. I'll let everyone know what you have done. I am a free human being with an independent will which I now exert to leave you. To marry you would kill me. I'm a badass woman What's wrong with that? Can't hold me back Yeah, I'm a bad. Dear Reader, a Jane Eyre podcast, join me, Stella, as I look at the legacy of Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte through the lens of its varied and various interpretations. TV, film, radio, theater, er sci-fi, erotica? Pun intended. Does Jane Eyre transcend culture, time, place, and galaxy? Listen and find out. Coming soon to the Fire & Water Podcast Network. You can't
0: ignore, you can't ignore no more. I'm a badass woman. Kentucky Fried Chicken
2: is pretty sweet. Good chicken.
0: Kentucky Fried Chicken is
2: pretty sweet. Good chicken. We choose just one out of every three chickens raised because only one in three is plump and tender enough for Colonel Sanders' Kentucky Fried Chicken. Dinner's ready when you are. Colonel Sanders' Lord and make it finger again. Good
1: chicken. Welcome back to Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. I'm Trey Lawson, and our comic for today is Ghost Rider number eight, The Devil Himself. Cover date is October 1974. The writer is Tony Isabella. Artist is Jim Mooney. Inker, Sal Trapani the letterer, John Costanza, the colorist, Phil Rachelson, and the editor is Roy Thomas. Having defeated the one-man zodiac last issue, the Ghost Rider is once again confronted by Satan himself. Satan tries to claim Johnny's soul, but just as before, he's unable to do so because of Roxanne's protection. Realizing this, Satan vows to go after Johnny indirectly by targeting Roxanne, and then he vanishes. As the sun rises, Ghost Rider transforms back into Johnny Blaze's human form, and he goes to check on Stuntmaster, who was injured helping him against the Zodiac last issue. Roxanne also arrives in the hospital, and Johnny recounts their adventure together before turning his attention to reviving Rocky's stunt show. Just as Stuntmaster brings up an upcoming motorcycle competition, Roxanne has a vision of her father in hell, and despite crying out, she lies to Johnny that nothing is wrong. Later that evening, Johnny transforms into the Ghost Rider, and Roxanne is again confronted by a vision of her father. She vanishes, and to gain entry to hell, Johnny seeks out the help of Damon Hellstrom. Meanwhile, in hell, Satan invites Roxanne to reunite with the spirit of her father, caught in an eternity of reliving the worst moments of his life. She faints, and Satan summons the demon Slifer to try for a third and final time to defeat the Ghost Rider. Now transformed into Inferno the Monk, he immediately appears in front of the Rider and attacks. Initially, Ghost Rider has the upper hand, but Inferno is able to manifest fear in the crowd, leading them to attack the Rider. As the fight rages on, Satan continues to torment and tempt Roxanne, revealing that despite what she and Johnny thought, her father's spirit never left the confines of hell. She begs for the Devil to release her father's soul, and Satan? names his price, save her father, Roxanne must renounce her protection of Johnny Blaze.
0: So I guess I'll start off by saying I really like what Tony Isabella is doing in the book right now.
1: This is one of the best written issues of Ghost Rider we've had in a while.
0: Yeah, Carrie, I'm not sure how aware you are of early Ghost Rider issues, but they are rough. It
1: takes a while to get going. going.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've read bits and pieces, and and then I go to more modern issues to cleanse my palate. Yeah, well, and
1: honestly, what it, what it sort of what the problem kind of comes to is something that comes up in the letters page of this. I was I was looking at, at the the old letters pages, and uh, one one reader, uh, what they're asking for is for it to be more of a horror book, and and Marvel responds by saying, well, no, actually, we kind of tried that, and it didn't work. And so we're going to make him more of a superhero book. If you want the more horror-style stuff, go read Son of Satan, because that's Damon Hellstrom. And so that was yeah. sort of what Marvel eventually lands on, is Ghost Rider is the superhero book with some horror and occult stuff going on, and Son of Satan is the character that's horror and occult mystery stuff with the occasional superhero flavor.
0: And it's you're kind of right there, because I imagine it's kind of hard to um Atmospheric mystery stories of a dude of a
1: flaming skull on a motorcycle. Right. The the character design doesn't lend itself to that.
2: <laughs> well, and the character doesn't lend itself to that because unless you have Johnny blunder into the the mysteries and the solutions, those aren't his strength. He's
1: not a paranormal investigator. He he's no. he's a stunt man. He's an adventurer. And so, yeah, it makes far more sense for someone like Damon Hellstrom, who who is that investigator exorcist kind of guy to to be the one who has those kinds of stories. So. So, yeah. Uh, And and that's something that Isabella seems to get here is is he leans into uh, the action and, and sort of has the horror stuff come to Johnny instead of the other way around. Yeah,
0: Johnny Blaze is not Hercule Poirot. Poirot. No, uh, <laughs> with, with, the little gray says, uh, um, but
2: that that would be a crossover. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, obviously, you've got your next Marvel book set up perfectly.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Uh,
0: um, Just put it last on the list, and it'll, be, it'll work perfectly.
1: <laughs> I, I also thought that that the Satan character seemed cleverer than he had in past issues that this actually feels like a satanic plot that it's built around misdirection and temptation and sort of the roundabout way of getting to what he wants, as opposed to previously Satan would just sort of show up and look cool because he always has that sort of like heavy metal rock album cover appearance, but, but he's just sort of there throwing fire at everything.
0: Yeah, here he looks a bit like a dude in a diaper who's painting himself red,
1: but... So the appearance is, is less cool, yes. But he actually
0: seems to have a point to his um, his maneuverings here.
1: And the corruption of Roxanne is an interesting story.
0: Yes, which is something we've been lacking in the book up to this point. Uh, it, going anywhere. Yeah, Like, Satan actually having a motive besides getting Johnny Blaze's skull. Sorry, soul. I mean he's still trying to get Johnny's soul, it's just, you know, he's going about it away other than throw a demon at him. Throw right. a demon at him. Throw a demon at him. Although he does fact, still throw a demon this, at him. Yes. The second time he's thrown this demon at him in like twenty-four hours.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. And 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 that that's probably the weakest part of the story is when the same demon that we've been dealing with all along just shows up again. In a different form. Like he's transformed. But this is what, the third time?
0: third time, and it might be the third time in like 48 hours, actually. Right. These Ghost Rider books
1: tend to go one right into the other. There's not a lot of time gap in between.
0: And I think that's part of that is the, is a limitation placed on it by its initial conceit that he turns into the Ghost Rider every
1: night. Right. They, they kind of feel the need to show every transformation, and so you have to see every single night.
0: Yeah and i mean even like jack russell gets a month's break in between right You're, you do have to feel really bad for johnny here it's i again i like what's going on with roxanne here she is something beyond the victim and we actually get her a little more participation from her and we see that she is capable of being tempted mm-hmm. or corrupted as it were yeah. well up to this point she's kind of
1: well the the purity of her soul which in those first issues was kind of her whole reason for being there was this kind of intangible thing that was just taken for granted and so this story is changing that it's sort of giving her agency and by giving her agency like making that that sort of status of her soul a more interesting part of the plot
0: uh Carrie, I don't know about you, but we like it a lot when our female supporting characters have a role in the book besides being the hostage.
2: Oh, <laughs> heaven forbid, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and Roxanne is a strong character on her own, right. even though everybody right. keeps calling her a oh, filly. That, I rolled um, my
1: eyes oh, every time. Yeah.
0: Oh no. <laughs> like this guy who oh. just met her is just calling her a cute filly, and I'm like, ooh.
1: Right. Ooh.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah. Welcome to the seven. And the thing is, is
1: she's supposed to be good yeah. on a bike too. Like she could do some of this action adventure stuff too. This is true.
2: I mean, the one thing about it though is, like, why does she lie to Johnny if if she's so pure of heart and and has this inner strength? The fact that she lies to him and the fact that he believes it, especially since right. he knows Satan is coming right. for her, is weird. That's that's the one thing that I was like, uh, ah, do I do I? Buy that? That, that's the like, flimsiest I, part I of it. That. Is, is that
1: initial moment of weakness? Is that really justified? And it's like she's talking about how she wants to spare him. He's
0: got enough to worry about, basically. And like, no, you know, you're dealing with Satan here, right? And you've been on Johnny this whole time about being open, being honest, and t- sharing with his bur- his burden with you. You need to do the same for him and it's just because she has to realize this is all part of some satanic plot she's not dumb in fact she's definitely the smarter of the relationship even
1: if she doesn't realize that right away maybe johnny in that moment of hesitation should have said part of why i'm asking is because satan just told me he's coming for you
2: (laughs) well and and then she has the moment at the end where she's faced Mm -hmm. with that impossible choice and that's it's the same thing, right, but right. but really, really good. And and that's where I feel like it's, uh, it's the strongest and Ghost Rider is the strongest, you know? Because you're faced with that choice between your personal desires and the people you care right. for and the greater good. We
0: do get a few continuity th- points here. Uh, they're worth noting. Um, Satan reveals that he was, in fact, the messenger all along um, from the earlier issue, the character we were led to believe was a more heavenly sourced figure. Um, This would not be the last time that, I mean, spoilers for future books we're going to be talking about, this will not be the last time that Satan impersonates a savior type figure in order to fool Johnny Blaze. In fact, another Tony Isabella written book famously had a certain bearded carpenter show up Mm. and later be revealed to be a satanic imposter. I mean
1: that that sort of feels in character for seeing to to trick Johnny in that way over and over again. And it's at a certain point it just becomes Johnny's fault for being that gullible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well this is Johnny Blaze we're talking about it's not surprising.
1: I also we've got sort of the the Damon Hellstrom connection, which I mentioned in the summary. He comes up a couple times.
0: Um yeah. Um Johnny Blaze mentions um trying to contact that Damon Hellstrom guy you heard about in the newspaper. There's a problem with that. He, he he's met Damon Hellstrom before. Well, so he he they acknowledges in,
1: that. Um did so he? Damon what, what? yeah so the the thought bubble is he's called Damon Hellstrom but I recognized him as the son of Satan. Oh.
0: So, okay so, I thought Johnny I only he ever met
1: him in his demonic. I, I oh, oh
0: my my bad. My 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 apologies to Tony Isabella, <laughs> who absolutely, positively listens to this podcast.
1: <laughs> but, but yeah, so they, they actually did address that. And they, there's the editor, the Roy Thomas editor's note. Uh, they met in Marvel Spotlight 12.
0: Okay. No, I'm just, this is what I get for reading books at 1 a.m. in the
1: morning. <laughs> but but the, making the Hellstrom connection is is nice hmm. because, yes, that is exactly what Johnny needs right now is an expert who knows their way around these things. And uh, I-, I thought the art was pretty good in-, in this book. Like I mean, as you said, uh, Satan does not look quite as cool or imposing as he did in earlier issues. But but the rest of the stuff, like the, the action is good. Uh, even the-, the design of the Inferno Demon is, is pretty good as far as sort of monster of the week kind of creatures go. He looks like a weird 70s
0: monster. Sure. Which is fine. We're not going to get, you know, the... Um, dudes with hooves and rock cover uh, refugees until much later. Right. Which is fine. Which is fine. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just came upon a page like page seven with Satan laughing over the bridge. Oh yeah. He looks. He looks like a like a cartoon devil. It's just.
1: It's, it's very Halloween mask.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. But. Again, I like where the book is going. It it seems to
1: have um got on track now. Yeah. Yeah. Which it, is it feels like we're going somewhere again. Yeah. And for a long time yeah. this book had been treading water. So so that's exciting. And and maybe is a reason to be optimistic for future installments. Yeah. E- even the the cuz it also does have a lot of flashback material. Like we we flashback and are reminded of Slifer's previous attempts. And when we check in with Stuntmaster, we get the short flashback of the previous issues fight. But in whereas in past issues those felt like filler to like take up extra pages. This time they they were contained and, and very quickly moved on to new
2: information. Yeah. I mean I think it it feels like like of course the, the art style is very seventies and, and from that point of view it feels very Sure. dated just because so much time has passed and comics have changed so much since then. But the story itself feels... Uh, it, it, it combines a lot of the things that I really love about modern Ghost Rider stories. You know, you do... You have the action set pieces, which are fun, even though <laughs> you know, you've got the 70s demon in <laughs> <and> the <laughs> tiny little spandex He's kind of dressed like a pro wrestler. I don't know why they were always wearing those yeah, yeah. He looks like a, <laughs> a hairy, one-eyed pro wrestler.
0: He, he actually wants to see if, if Ghost Rider can just last three minutes in the ring with him. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like, I don't think that that demon is really the threat in that scene. Because it's it's one of the... I mean, I think it's one of the first times that you start to see people being... Uh, used as weapons, like bystanders being used as weapons against Johnny, which I thought yep. was an yeah. it, it was a smart choice. Well, and,
1: and and not to get too spoilery, but but I actually I, I thought of witches unleashed when I got to that part in this book because there is kind of a similar moment there.
2: Yeah, where the the um, the threat that you are fighting is is made more difficult to reach by innocent people. And as Ghost Rider, what do you do about that? Because, you know, your job is kind of to protect them. Yeah. So when they're being used as a weapon against you, that's, that's a, a pretty compelling scene. What the heck do you right. do?
1: And then on top of all of that, it, it's sort of, there's sort of a third layer of it, is that really this isn't even a fight that Ghost Rider wants to be having. It's just distracting him from his actual goal of getting to Roxanne Yeah. and, and sort of giving Satan time to sort of make that offer.
2: Well, and I think I think in this in this book you really get the sense that Satan is playing a game with Mm -hmm. him, and that's one of the things that I like about the the Satan or Lucifer. You know, he he swaps names and and different guys come in and out and fill that position, but whoever it is, uh, the stories, some of the stories that I like best are when it's obvious that he's manipulating and playing a game, and even if he loses, the fact that he's thrown Johnny off. Base is a triumph, yeah. You know, it yeah. seems
0: to have more stake than say, like, the previous appearances where Satan has kind of been the 80s cartoon twirly mustache villain who's like, Ah, I didn't get your this time, Ghost Rider, but next time I'll get you. <laughs> like, I'll throw this monster at you this week, I'll throw this monster at you next week. Uh, and he actually has a plan here. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and this feels like a, a plan that could go beyond this one issue.
2: Yeah. Yep. You finally get the the idea that he's playing the longest. Which thing.
1: feels right for a character like Satan.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I think,
0: I think I've heard somewhere he's the prince of something. Oh, right? Gosh.
1: gosh. Um, it, it might be
0: pancakes. Prince of pancakes? <laughs> I
2: was going to say Skittles. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely remember Skittles and pancakes from Sunday school. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're good
1: here. But that, that's why Hellboy likes pancakes, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Checks out, right? <laughs> Checks out.
0: Who 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 needs who needs the, uh, theology training when you have comic books, right?
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I say, I, I I think this was a an impressive showing for Ghost Rider, especially considering how we felt about the last several issues.
0: So going from one very good ghostwriter author, Tony Isabella, to another, uh, Carrie, what other products do you have upcoming right now? Uh,
2: My next Marvel book is School of X, which is an X-Men anthology. And that comes out uh, next month in the US and then early next year in the UK. So I'm pretty excited about that.
0: Witches Unleashed is on bookshelves now. People can go out and buy it right now. Correct. Oh, very lucky cool. them. It's great.
1: Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Any
1: other sort of tidbits or secrets you could share with us from behind the curtain of uh, the Marvel Universe? I'm talking oh. about, like deep, dark stuff.
2: That's tempting. I mean this this tomb is all shut in. Nobody can hear us. Right? Yeah,
0: you, you could tell us all about Kevin Feige's browser history. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh. Man, I have some dirt for you. <laughs> what?
0: what? I'm sorry. Ninjas just dropped into from the skylight? When did we get a skylight?
2: Run away. Oh, no.
0: Yeah. They took the book. K- Carrie? Carrie? K- Carrie? They took Carrie. Oh. oh. Wow. What is in Kevin Feige's browser history? So, since she's gone, I guess we could talk about Eternals now. Yeah, yeah. For anybody still listening to us, I mean... All you carry stands have definitely um, just checked right out at this point. Right, right. Uh,
1: but, yeah, Eternals was good. I liked it. I, and I, as listeners will know, I was very skeptical. I was not fully on board with Eternals getting a whole movie. But, uh, yep. but the cast was great. The, the story was well done. It made me care about characters that in some cases I barely knew their names.
0: Ooh, Should we put in place the spoiler gate we
1: probably should just to be safe okay lower the spoiler gate
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> so um one of the biggest problems with previous iterations of the eternals and things I've kind of talked about before, with you know my problem with the Inhumans and other of Jack Kirby's ancient civilizations that come to influence mankind. Mm-hmm. But can I get rid of that here? Yeah. Where yeah. they are, they are basically alien robot guardians meant to guide, basically population growth up to a point where, um, you know,
1: they could feed us celestial. Yeah, and so robot might not be exactly right. I I have a feeling that probably something more like biosynthoid, like something like the comics version of Vision, you know? Okay. Um, Like They seem to be organic, but they are constructed organic. I mean, we're dealing with Celestials here. They create and destroy whole galaxies. I think it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could create life.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it actually made me care for some of them. Now, to be fair, they did pick a celestial—sorry, a Eternal that I already liked, Cersei, mm-hmm. as their viewpoint character, which was a good call to make. Yes, yes. There wasn't nearly enough Dane Whitman in the movie for my liking.
1: So, I think that's deliberate. I think they want
0: us to want more Dane Whitman. Yeah, and of course, that's kind of hinted at with the in-credit scene where we f- see— The blade. The ebony blade. Which they referenced earlier in the movie. Yes,
1: because it is not on the Eternals ship. Uh, They actually have Excalibur.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, And that kind of goes to um, another thing that we didn't mention in Hellstrom Watch, where uh, there's a voice at the end saying, Are are you sure you want to do that, Professor Whitman? And apparently. Um, No, it is confirmed. Okay, fine. That has been confirmed. Confirmed as being Mahershala Ali. Yep, got Blade, who, who we already know is playing Blade. Yeah.
1: So why is Blade visiting Dane Whitman? So that actually makes sense to me. Because oh. well, so one, um, they're 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 diving into the mystical stuff, the magical stuff, and the Black Knight is in his own way a part of that. Mm-hmm. Blade technically has dual citizenship. He's he's okay. a, he's a British citizen. Yes, you're right. Um, he's a, in fact he's a member of MI13 alongside Dane Whitman in yes. comics for a while.
0: Ooh, are they going to do an MI13 thing? That's what I was wondering. Is that why we're talking about Henry Cavill as possibly playing Captain Britain? I'd be here for it. Oh, that would be good. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that would be ooh. And then bring Psylocke in as an introduction to the Avenger. Sorry, X Men potentially. Ooh. Um,
1: and you mentioned Henry Cavill, who has said in interviews that he wants to play Brian Braddock. That if he could play a Marvel character, that's who he'd want. Um, but, Which, but I mean, it makes sense. Yeah,
0: but isn't that kind of him playing the same character over again? Not
1: quite. I think Brian Braddock is distinct from, say, Superman. For one thing, he's British. Okay. But yeah, and you've got the like tip, family dynamics right. of the sister and the the brother, who's sometimes a villain. Speaking of British
0: Superman, even though I it know it's not actually British, there is a lot of DC name dropping in yeah. this movie.
1: Yeah, there is. Um so so DC comics as fictional stories exist in the MCU. Yes. Because yes. we get both uh Clark slash Superman and Alfred name dropped. Yes. And Batman. Yes.
0: Technically. So that's interesting. Yeah.
1: And, and actually, again, going back to the Henry Cavill thing, uh, Richard Madden, who plays Icarus, said in an interview that his performance as Icarus was influenced by Henry Cavill's performance in Man of Steel. Well,
0: yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now, we should talk something about about here. And again, we're in spoiler territory, guys. Right,
1: right. Yep. So if you haven't seen the movie and, and you don't want to be spoiled... I mean, we already pulled down the spoiler gate. We warned you, but...
0: <laughs> to use the parlance of your people here, Trey, Icarus turns heel.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, he does.
0: It turns out he's known all along that the Celestials want to use Earth as a Celestial incubation unit, mm-hmm. and it's trying to stop them from stopping the Celestial from being born. Yep. Yep. So... <sighs> that does not happen in the comics, I don't
1: think. No. He's... until... I think fairly recently he was still around as an adult. Um I, I think he currently is dead. I like the way he took himself out in the movie. Oh, by flying too by. close to the sun? Because yes. he's Icarus? Yes. Yes. I loved it. It was on the nose, but I loved it.
0: it, it a little bit on the nose. In fact, my eleven year old child watching the movie with me called it out. I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> Alright. Um I also I also thought Sprite was a fascinating character. So fascinating. Made way more compelling than any version I've read. <laughs> I kid. We've
0: not read much mini Eternal comics because, um, honestly, we sleep fine as it is. We don't need any sleep aids. <laughs> <days. laughs>
1: Although I think probably of the Eternals, I, I really liked Festus, um, mm-hmm. and I really liked Kingo.
0: Mm-hmm. Even oh, though yeah, Kingo was great, even
1: though it was kind of a chump move to just nope out of the third act altogether. Because he basically says, I'm not going to fight for you, but I'm also not going to fight against you, and he leaves. Yeah. It makes sense. Like, in terms of character motivations and where the characters are at in that moment, it makes sense because he is, in fact, sympathetic to Icarus's position, but he also does not want to fight his family.
0: Yes. But I kind of call bullshit on the him being willing to just let all these billions of people die, Mm. considering how he gets so upset earlier that, you know, all these people on the movie set... Oh, shutting down the production. Yeah. Yeah. Depend on him and his own valet he seems really close to, so I'm not sure I buy him not being like, we have to protect these people at any cost.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think he in his own way had feelings for Icarus as deep as sprites. Not romantic, but but feelings that were similarly deep. And could not bring himself to turn on Icarus. I think it was a personal thing.
0: Mm, I mean, Cersei did it.
1: I know. I know.
0: Come on, Kingo. Anyway, I loved his
1: valet in the movie. Oh, he was awesome. I want more. So, well, so for one thing, did you know during the production of the movie they had given him a live camera, <laughs> and nobody told him to, but he just started filming, <laughs> like for real. There is talk that there might be enough footage to actually cut together the documentary.
2: (laughs) I love it! I love it so much!
0: Oh, that is a... That that would actually get me to buy a (laughs) Blu-ray. I'm sure it'll be released as an exclusive on Disney Plus, but still.
1: The other thing that I desperately, desperately want is uh, Harun, the valet, to co-star in a Marvel one-shot with Luis from the Ant-Man movies. (laughs) We really do need to get, like, the VIPs
0: of the um, Marvel movie supporting characters together, him, Happy Hogan.
1: You could call them MVPs. You could also call them the MCU Second Bananas Club. Yep. And actually,
0: (laughs) we did kind of get that with the Marvel Zombies episode of What If, actually. True, true. Uh, did not go well for happy
1: but um but yeah so so the the valet was awesome um, he was great he, and and like was so able to move between humor and like dead serious like pathos you know mm-hmm. like when he very sincerely thanks them for everything they've tried to do before he leaves
0: yeah I do enjoy all the shit. Jonah Ray has been giving. Give me on that, Johnny. How much shit he's giving him on Twitter about this huge movie he has right now.
1: Because well, they used to do podcasts in the back room of a video store or something, like or comic, comic shop. He was, yep. was a comic shop. Comic shop.
0: Yep, it was comic shop. And yeah. now he is in this huge movie, and
1: and has put on like twenty pounds of muscle.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it it's really funny in my opinion. Uh huh.
1: Yes. I was also surprised by the sort of misdirect in the middle of the movie because the movie sort of goes out of its way to make you think for a while that if any of the Eternals is going to, like, turn and be the bad Eternal, it's going to be Druig. Yes,
0: who apparently was my child's favorite character in the movie. Huh. I thought for sure they would go for Sprite, but hmm. no. Druig? It was Druig, yeah. I'm
1: like, okay then. Think about Druig. And I forget the name of the actor who played, but he looks like if you cast Ezra Miller to play John Barenthal.
0: Okay. I was shocked when I walked out of that movie and looked up on IMDb to find out that
1: that was not in fact Ezra Miller. <laughs> but like, so John Barenthal, the guy who played Punisher on, on the Netflix shows. Like, it's okay. like if, if, if John Barenthal and Ezra Miller did a fusion dance, you would get this guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I, I, but no, like I thought for sure that this was the guy from who played the Flash. Yeah, like, yeah wow. similar look, similar look. It, really interesting that he's played two different superhero type characters and he's in this movie with the speeds here. But no, it is not Ezra Miller.
1: No, no, it is uh Barry Kagan, maybe I might be butchering that because it's an Irish name. Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently he also has a role in the Batman coming up. In the Batman. Yep. Oh, wait, no,
0: it's called the Batman, isn't it? It is, yes. Uh, I was just th- i was thinking you were doing a, a rest of the development thing. I'm like, here, go see a Star Wars. But no, it's its called the Batman. It is called
1: the Batman,
0: yes. Yeah.
1: There you go. He plays like a, a GCPD officer or something.
0: Yeah, he was also in Dunkirk, so I've seen yes. something else with him in it. I probably um, thought it was Ezra knight. Miller. Yep, I probably thought that was Ezra Miller
1: as well. <laughs> 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 um, um, I, I thought uh, the Deviant stuff didn't really go anywhere. If I have a complaint, it's that that just kind of fizzles out.
0: No, I'm not sure which side the Deviants were on by the end of it. Like, they I don't seemed- know that there were sides. Like, they seem to be helping Icarus. Hmm but uh, it just seemed to go nowhere with them. they just kind of seemed to be there because deviants had been in eternals comics beforehand
1: right well so so the deviants are there partly by necessity that they are the previous creations of the celestials and that but that they get in the way of the formation of new celestials and so that's why the eternals are there is to fight the deviants but that gets complicated by the eternals sort of changing their motivations right like eternal now once the eternals are trying to stop the celestial from being born the deviants are both in the way and not you know like the deviants are mad at the eternals because the eternals have spent millennia massacring them and the deviants are mad at the celestials for abandoning them so it, it's this weird sort of they're not on anybody's side i think i think the the thing with icarus was more of convenience
0: mm-hmm yeah i uh, uh, kind of weird Ending for them, but okay,
1: yeah, and 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 I feel like they could have done more to explore the like what was going on with them like absorbing the Eternal's powers and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and that that one deviant like suddenly gaining like a more human appearance and, and personality, yeah. Uh, of course, we didn't talk at all about the other uh post credit scene or mid credit scene, I guess you'd say. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: The one with sure. the dude, I didn't know who he was until my child told me it was Harry Styles.
1: Right, right. Of course the, the and, and that we got Pip the Troll.
0: Pip the Troll played by um the actor most most best known for playing T V son of TV's Frank, of course.
1: <laughs> on MS 23 three K. Yeah. Um, in addition to uh being Modoc on television. Oh yeah, that too. Uh, yeah, so we've we've got Star Fox. One of the sleaziest, creepiest characters of Marvel Comics.
0: Please tell me he shows up here so he could show up in She-Hawk later so we can have that storyline. Oh,
1: no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No.
0: No, they're not going to do that to Harry Styles. Oh, God. But
1: that whole storyline was so, so wrong. It was very bad. It was very, very bad. Anyway, Um, I think he's also dead in comics right now. Like a bunch, a bunch of the Eternals that I actually know something about, I think are currently dead. Um, so I I find it interesting
0: that they have brought in Star Fox here and they straight out say he is Thanos's brother.
1: Yep. Yep. They
0: acknowledge the fact he is Thanos's brother. Yep. So Thanos is an Eternal here.
1: Yes. Um. Although, don't they, like, complicate that in the comics? Like, isn't he, like, some sort of eternal-deviant hybrid or something? Maybe. It'll be
0: interesting to see how they do that in the books. But, I mean, he doesn't look like the Eternals we've seen so far.
1: Right. But also, if the Eternals are all constructions of the Celestials, they can all look like whatever the Celestials want them to
0: True. True. But that'll be interesting when mm-hmm. other people learn that, learn that Thanos was an Eternal That'll be fun. How that's going to work in MCU.
1: Yeah. Um, The other thing that I couldn't help but think while watching the movie was I absolutely loved every time the Celestials showed up and we got that kind of like grand cosmic scale um, Mm -hmm. uh, of the Celestials like hovering in space or whatever. But it also just made me really, really want an MCU Galactus. Well, the thing I found interesting about it
0: is how used people in the Marvel Universe are getting to really mind-blowy shit happening. Yeah, like,
1: so there's a giant statue in the middle of nowhere that didn't used to be there. It just popped out one day.
0: Yep. There's a
1: giant red
0: being hanging in the sky over overhead. Um, so yeah. Um, yep. Mind you, when half the population disappears into dust and then reappears, Right. <laughs> your, your, your perspective on reality does kind of change. Right,
1: right. But, yeah, no, I thought the, the ensemble was good. I thought they, like, you believe that this weird group of people are a family. Yes. They did a very good job of selling that. Yes. And, and that and a real family that, like, doesn't always get along all the time. And that, you know, like, because that's sort of, like, a thing that superhero movies like to do is, like, evoke family, but, like, in the sitcom kind of way where everything comes back to the status quo in the end. yeah. And this didn't do that. Like, like, there's no coming back from some of the choices that get made. No, I mean Icarus
0: could show up again. Sure. But I don't think him and Cersei are getting back together anytime
1: soon. Oh no, no. Uh,
0: um, Sprite is human now, so that and again, that's kind of by necessity because you need to have a way for the actress to age, age between movies,
1: or you have to explain a change in appearance from changing actors.
0: Yeah. Which I think they went the right way with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I we haven't talked about her, but I also liked Makari. Uh, that was cool. Um, the yep. the use of sign language and and the, her ability to sense vibrations as sort of a way around like having to address the deafness head on. Yep, yep.
0: So I thought it was good. I I, the, the, yeah. I mean it's it's a little uneven in places.
1: Sure, and the the third act goes full on MCU. Like that, that like the the last section of the movie is the same sort of big CGI fight that you get in pick a pick a Marvel movie, you know. Yeah, the the second act drags a bit. It does, but and and some of that pacing stuff I think is because of the flashback structure. Yeah, because you and, and I don't know. I I think they did it the best way they could have done it. I don't think there was a way to do it without having it drag a little bit because you needed to to show. The comparison between them in the present, and them in the past. Yeah, but honestly, it's not as terrible as people have been trying to say it is. No, I, 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 I thoroughly enjoyed it. In fact, I—I I don't know if I've ever shown you this, but on Letterboxd, I maintain an ongoing personal ranking of the MCU. Like as new movies come out, I add them to the list, um, and it is squarely in the top half.
0: Ooh, where can listeners find you on Letterboxd, Trey?
1: Oh, um, I am, uh, what is mine? Um, um, I think I'm just at T underscore Lawson, just like on Twitter. <laughs> I don't actually know
0: what mine is either. Hold on. Let me look. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, T underscore
0: Lawson. Let me see. I'm going to send it to you and see. Should just be in the URL. I'm on the app.
1: Ah, um, like. Yes, really? Uh, yeah, yours is the same as your Twitter. Or oh. no. No, it's, uh, the, it's, I'm not actually sure how you pronounce your username. Okay, that's fine then. Starts with an M. Mid-sure? Yes,
0: yes. It's, okay, that's, the, that's one. All right,
1: so, yeah. But, but, yeah, no, I've, uh, but, but yeah, I think I, uh, I placed this one probably just above Shang-Chi, but that's probably, but, but I, but in terms of, like, a star rating or whatever, probably a, probably almost identical, like, you flip a coin, which one goes above the other, you know? I need to watch Shang Chi again. Yeah, I actually now that it's on Disney Plus, I want to go back and revisit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in my ranking, uh, Eternals is between Thor, Ragnarok, and Shang Chi. But speaking of
0: social media, if our listeners do want to reach out to us, I'm at at Mr. Hickson on Twitter,
1: and I'm at t underscore Lawson,
0: where we do have a show Twitter account. Yep. That is at Tomb of Ideas. You can also reach us by email. That email address is Tomb of Ideas at gmail.com. And of course, stores always our Facebook,
1: facebook.com slash Tomb
0: of Ideas. That's
1: right. And of course, Tomb of Ideas is a proud member of the Cinepunks podcast group. Uh, we uh, share that space with a bunch of other great shows like Cinema uh Horror Business, Uh, the main CinePunks podcast, among others. Um, You'll find our back catalog and all of those shows at CinePunks.com. That's CinePunks with an X. Uh, You'll also find lots of great articles, uh, reviews, write-ups, discussions about TV, movies, music, all kinds of great stuff. So be sure to check out CinePunks.com.
0: Until next time, Tomb Believers. Bye-bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel Horror Podcast. Until next time, Tomb members, (laughs) ex-helsior!